It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Am I allowed to say balls to the wall? Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 578 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October the 8th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, whole whack of baseball teams, and now over half of the NHL is covered. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On shows for the NHL teams that you like. If you're a fantasy hockey player, we have the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast with Ben Burnett and Louis Ezekiel. That's fantastic fantastic as well. And uh, there's no shortage of things for you to check out on the NHL side. So make sure you're doing that, adding more shows every week. And hopefully within the next month or so, or maybe even sooner, we'll have the entire roster filled out. And that will be great. Please subscribe, rate, review all the shows that you want to support on the network. That's very much appreciated. And one final note about our NHL network, I will implore you to stick around. At the end of today's show, you're going to hear a five-minute teaser trailer, sort of mini-episode preview promo of Locked on Leafs. Andrew Zuber, Mike DiStefano, excellent host of that show. They're going to pop on at the end of the show to give you a little look at what the season's going to look like for the the Maple Leafs and a little look at what the podcast is going to sound like for those who are thinking about subscribing. So stick around at the end of the show. Andrew Zuber, Mike DiStefano, Locked on Leafs, a little five-minute taste for you, and hopefully you will then go and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. All right, on today's show, we are continuing on with our intermittent series of pressing preseason questions facing the Toronto Raptors, and today we are talking all about Fred VanVleet and what his role is going to look like with the team, whether or not he can sustain the insane level of production and uh, red-hot, fire-breathing fingers and all the stuff that he had going on during the postseason. And joining me to talk about that and much more as it relates to Fred VanVleet is our pal from Raptors Republic. It's Josh Howe. Josh, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I, uh, I'm living a very debauched life right now because <laughs> my uh, fiance is out of town. Uh, she's a teacher. Whoa. She's at Tim Horton's camp with her class for the next three days, so... I'm nice. living a very disgusting lifestyle. I've eaten out two times today. Uh, I had a sandwich, and then I had uh, a jerk chicken, and now I'm just uh, hanging out watching baseball with my pants off. I, I'm, I, don't worry, I'm wearing pants. Wow. <laughs> it sounds like a dream to me. I don't know. You'd think that, but then <laughs> you, like, Drew McGarry wrote a really good piece about this, actually, before the NFL season started how you know it's always like lovely when you're like oh man I got the place to myself it's gonna be great and then you sort of realize what it'd be like without the person you love in your life and boy it gets bleak real quick so (laughs) how how many how many days before it really starts to set in that it's like I, I need I need to not be alone anymore uh well we're recording this on Monday night it has been uh uh 11 hours or no sorry 13 <laughs> hours and i'm already yeah. feeling like uh oh no i uh i'm not cut out for this single living anymore so <laughs> <laughs> feng 
functioning by yourself is is pretty hard. It I is, agree. man. Like I don't want to cook. I did dishes. That was no, good. Yeah. No, I don't feel like cooking. Uh, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of cooking, Fred VanVleet was very hot in the Thanks. last ten or so games of the playoffs last season, and I figured we should probably talk about Fred VanVleet today, as his sort of outlook becomes a little bit more interesting in the wake of the Kyle Lowry news that dropped on Monday morning. I touched on this a little bit at the tail end of Monday's podcast talking about Kyle, but uh, actually first, before we even get into Fred, Josh, where were you when you found out about Kyle resigning? What were your thoughts? Uh, I found out waking up this morning. Um, the first thing I do is always look at my phone. It's a great habit, you know, millennials. Very good. As we do. Very good. Yeah. No brain worms at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I seared my eyes with the news that Kyle Lowry... Uh, signed an extension with the Raptors, and much like every other Raptors fan, I got very excited. Um, legacy status, man. Just like Masai said, uh, I, I think that's pretty much what this is, right? I mean, it makes it makes sense because it's the kind of deal Lowry wanted to do. Thirty-one million makes sense for both sides. If he really had to be traded, uh, maybe the extension helps a little bit there. But ultimately, you know, you keep his team um, productive and competitive. And it makes it look good for potential free agents coming up. And obviously, next summer is not the big summer. It's the summer after that, 2021. That's the one they're aiming for, like most teams. And they're going to have cap flexibility there. So it just kind of like, you know, takes a little edge off of Lauer being a potential free agent to be in next summer. And just uh, is, a, is, a, is a focus that, you know, the team is going to stay, look to stay competitive at least uh, through this season. And we can get, get rid of all the blow it up talk before the deadline which is really nice yeah i mean some people are still trying to work trade thing trade talk into the kyle news like i've seen some people be like oh now he's a more valuable trade asset like i think you're kind of missing the point of them signing the deal like yeah especially it's- considering the news that he was potentially considering a holdout because he wanted to know where he was going to be this year I, I right. can't imagine they signed this deal thinking don't worry kyle we, we signed you actually we're going to trade you in four months like that doesn't feel a, like a yeah. very above-board thing to do when you're trying to, uh, you know, not look like a ghoulish, terrible organization. And <laughs> B, it doesn't really make sense to bottom out anyway and trade good players no. for ethereal assets because you don't need to bottom out to win. You can build from the middle if you're smart about it, and the Raptors have proven they're smart enough to do it. So uh, that is that. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves, they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And so that leads us into Fred Van Vliet, who has been kind of part of this shadow core that the Raptors used during their era of winning while also developing and is now kind of faced with a pretty big reckoning season, I think. Like, it's a really 
important year for me. He's, he's obviously a free agent going into this season. He makes $9 million bucks this year and then hits UFA next summer, and he can't be extended. And it's kind of like prove-it time, I think, for Fred Van Vliet, not just with the Raptors, but also if he wants to get a big payday next summer from some other team. And so we can start it with just sort of a look at what he's going to be like this season and on the Raptors. Let's just assume he's going to play the whole year with Toronto and sort of try to picture what his role is going to look like because I am not entirely sure. I thought coming in that Norm Powell was just kind of guaranteed to start at the two. It just felt like the most reasonable thing. They're invested in him. He's a two (laughs) by trade. It just kind of seems like, all right, there's a hole there. Just put him there next to OG and Lowry, and then there's your one, two, three. But there's been some rumbling throughout training camp, and I guess this will be sort of telling. By the time you hear this podcast, you'll probably have seen the first preseason game, which we'll talk about uh, tomorrow as well. Maybe do a second episode that drops during the day sometime or something like that. But we might sort of see what the plan is there with that starting two spot. And and I'm just kind of curious, you know, how's that going to look with Fred? Like, is he going to be a full-time starter next to Kyle Lowry? Is he going to be a fill-in starter sometimes like him and Norm sort of take the job back and forth depending on what the matchup is we've heard Nick Nurse talking about changing the starting lineup and I I just I thought it just felt very clear that Fred was still going to come off the bench coming into the year but now I'm not so sure what do you think we're going to see yeah I mean I would agree with that I think I always thought he was going to come off the bench to start the year um I mean I think the most likely scenario could be like fill-in like you're saying and swap some minutes with with Norm there but I can't imagine him starting consistently uh, throughout the year just because like the wear and tear on him wouldn't be very good. Um, obviously, you want him taking some of the Lowry minutes uh, you know, to continue to see if he can grow there and take some of that kind of responsibility. So you don't want to play them together the whole time. I mean, the reason to do so is pretty clear. Like The Lowry-Van Vliet lineups have been really good um, as long as Van Vliet's been on the Raptors uh, with Lowry. Obviously... Um, from what we know to this point, Van Vliet is still at his best when he's playing off ball, when he's spotting up, when he's running around, when he's chasing guys off the ball on the defensive end and, um, you know, coming off screens and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this is the year, like you're saying, to prove it where he needs to start doing some of the other things. So I feel like while he's great at those things and the Raptors might want to turn to those lineups in moments where they really need it because they know what they can get from it. Um, I think they're going to want to experiment more with having him, uh, you know, run stuff in place of Lowry. Maybe come off the bench. Maybe in some in some way, maybe start for Norm, but like stagger Lowry earlier. Some stuff like that. I like. I think Nurse can, um, you know, try out some different things uh, to see if Van Vliet can actually build on what he did in the playoffs because he did some really, you know, shocking and surprising things there in a tiny, tiny sample size. Um, but things that give you hope that maybe he actually can turn into a sort of Lowry-esque type player more than he has been to this point and um, work on things like pull-up jumpers and, and the pick-and-roll uh, initiation and, and stuff like that. So uh, I don't think he starts a lot. I think he'll start sometimes, um, but it probably will end up being still Toronto's best unit that has him and Lowry in it together. Yeah, I I mean, people know me. I don't really necessarily care who starts games anyway. I think, you know, closing lineups obviously matter a lot more. And I do think Fred is probably going to close most games for the Raptors matchup providing. I mean, there are some... I was thinking about this. Like, there are a lot of East teams, like the ones that matter in sort of the context of the playoff race, that 
are pretty big, and I wonder if they're going to be able to yeah. get away with Fred because, like, the Bucks, who's like they have Bledsoe, and then their two is going to be what Middleton, maybe Wes Matthews is like the closest thing you could use as like sort of a, a guy to com- to match Fred up against and be sort of reasonably happy with that. Think about the Sixers; they're enormous, obviously. Josh Richardson is just like not someone I think I would want Fred guarding. There's the the Heat. They're massive. Jimmy Butler's there too. Like that's that's also troublesome. And yes, you can mix and match and whatnot with matchups and hide guys, but it does feel like a lot of the teams, even like the the Celtics, Jalen Brown's there too. I mean, he's six seven or, or whatever his new measurement is after they uh, decided to be honest about measurements. He's still much bigger than Fred Van Vliet. So I kind of worry about sort of the big matchups within the East, how that'll work, and you know if Fred is actually going to be able to hang in those matchups for long periods of time, but. I do think he's still going to close a lot. As you mentioned, he's really, really good as a second option, sort of running around off screens and able to sort of facilitate a little bit in order to allow Kyle Lowry to work off the ball as well, although that is sort of my biggest concern with Fred is his ability with the ball in his hands, both as a creator and as a guy who can just create his own offense, not just off the dribble, but getting to the basket as well. I mean, he was not terribly efficient last season. He shot like 54 true shooting last year. Um, he shot like terribly between the like the three to ten foot range. He doesn't really have an in between game. He doesn't have a floater or anything like that. He's kind of always been bad in that range. And he shot his fifty one percent inside three feet last year as well, which is bad. Like you have to be better around the rim than that if you're going to be sort of a lead guard. And you know all of these sort of rumors and you know assumptions that Kyle Lowry is sort of on the ta- on the tailspin tied to his lack of ability to finish inside. I mean Fred Van Vliet's significantly worse, and it's kind of always been a thing with him and it was uh, it's not that he can't do it either like he had stretches last year I thought at the start of the year in particular he looked really explosive he looked like he was able to break down his man one-on-one he looked like he was able to get to the rim and sort of have those crafty like Corey Joseph like finishes around the basket but as the year went on and he had the back issues and stuff like that it just never really came back for him and even in the postseason it wasn't really that that was his sort of go-to sort of avenue by which he was providing production for the Raptors, right? A lot of it was just hanging out off ball and leveraging the yeah. intense gravity of Lowry and Siakam and Leonard into into those wide-open threes that, you know, to his credit, he started to can halfway through the Bucks series, but also he was missing for much of the, the playoffs before then. So it's not that he doesn't have it there. I just... I'm kind of skeptical as to whether or not he actually does have the juice to be like a lead ball handler, starting point guard type of guy. And so that's why I kind of think it does make more sense to run him off the bench as the lead guy in that second unit to really get a look, as you mentioned. Like, yes, it's nice to run him in those lineups with the starters where he's a fifth option or a third option or whatever he is, where he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. But if we're really sort of using this season as a way to gauge what his future is going to look like, then I think it probably makes more sense to have him just be the lead guy off the bench. He's the sixth man. He'll be the obvious sort of candidate if that's like an award the Raptors are up for and see if he can sort of shepherd that six, that, that, that second unit along in a way that he couldn't last year. You know, the bench was really bad last year in large part because Fred had the ball in his hands so much. And at times, too, the Raptors struggled mightily with their starters on the floor because... Fred was out there with them a lot, and they would have Fred run the offense while Kyle and Kawhi hung out, and it just never really worked and never made sense to sort of have him be the top of the hierarchy like that. So I would like to see him, in a weird way, do that more often, just in maybe lower leverage minutes and just sort of to see what he actually can do there in a prolonged sort of setup because it really sort of 
is very informative for what his like his future with the team is going to be if there's a future there at all because if he can't do that stuff then I don't really know if the Raptors should be investing in him long term or viewing him as a starter in the future. I don't know. Do you view yourself as a skeptic or an optimist when it comes to Fred as an on-ball guy? Uh it's a little it's tough because like I feel like I've seen flashes. It's kind of the response I have with OG too when people ask me like uh, are you expecting like a big leap or something from OG? Um, and it's like, there are times where you see flashes of, oh, this guy, he can do it. Like, there is a world in which they can do it. But doing it consistently and against different teams and different matchups is another thing. Uh, I think we're going to get um, so, uh, kind of the signs early on if um, he can make some of these changes. Because I do think that the biggest thing for him is to consistently run the pick and roll pretty well. Um, obviously Lowry, that's his thing. He's the maestro of the pick and roll. He makes every big man look incredible. <laughs> and Van Vliet, on the other hand, um, just sometimes looks like he has blinders on because he likes to attack the hoop so much, even though he doesn't finish very well there. And he over dribbles and, uh, you know, sometimes he sees something and, uh, looks like he should have taken whatever thought was going through his head first, but then he backs out of it and ends up just kind of hanging around on the perimeter. And, uh, so... I think that's kind of the area where he needs to improve the most. I feel like he can do it, but um, it's 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 hard for me to be extremely optimistic about it. It's it's a little concerning too because obviously the talk around Van Vliet is that he wants to be a starter. He kind of wants to be the guy I think that sort of takes the reins from Lowry when Lowry's kind of you know really headed into the twilight. Which um, with you know with shorter guards that can happen very quickly. Obviously Lowry's still really good. But, like, how much longer is Lowry going to be really good? Mm-hmm. Um, and if Van Vliet is the guy, which the organization is going to be trying to see this year, I mean, start. you can't pick and roll in the NBA consistently well. You're just not going to be a starter on a good team. So I think that's kind of the spot. And, um, you know, I'll say that I'm slightly optimistic that he can get there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Okay, well, I'm glad that you're slightly optimistic because I am. I, I feel like an ass because I'm. <laughs> I, I'm kind of. I just. I feel like I should be higher on Fred considering what we just saw from him because he yeah. saved the season. But at the same time, I still have the first two and a half series in my brain, and I also have most of the regular season in my brain, and I just. I can't mm-hmm. really get over that to really sort of muster any feelings that things are going to be terribly different with him. And look, maybe the back was really a thing last year. And, you know, there there was that sort of stretch at the end of the season where he missed that time with a thumb injury and it kind of doubled as back recovery time and he came back and he looked pretty good. But I just, we haven't seen it over a long stretch of time. I mean, he was excellent that season. He was third and sixth man of the year voting, but he was on a lineup that really didn't sort of thrive on its offense so much as it was just like a ridiculous defensive unit that just scored in transition all the time. And he had DeLon Wright out there as well to sort of help with the creation. And DeLon was a significantly better creator as a drive and kick guy and things like that. So I don't know, man. I I just, 
I feel like everyone's mad at me. Like I get, I get a lot of like messages about the podcast being like, you're too down on Fred. And it's like, maybe I am, but not a whole lot has really told me that he's much more than a really, really good backup, which like, that's fine. Yeah. Unless yeah. he views himself as something much more, and his agent views himself as much uh, views him as something much more than that, and then I just think there's a very real chance that, like next summer, it, it just they're not going to really find a common ground because I do think there's going to be some other team out there. I threw out the Bulls on yesterday's podcast. I'm like pretty certain he's going to be the starting point guard of the Bulls next season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, I think you were in the position that makes the most sense. I think I think it makes sense to be skeptical because the largest sample size we have is that he isn't very good at these things and that his you know best role is as a six-man kind of uh, player. And I feel like a lot of people's optimism about him right now is because of the tail end of the playoffs. And a lot of that was, again, such a tiny sample size, but like even stuff that like you just don't know if it's transferable. More than something like, oh, he's... You know, he just started running the pick and roll well in the finals. It's not like that wasn't really happening. Like, he was doing stuff like his pull-up shooting all of a sudden got red hot for, mm-hmm. like, several games. Um, you know, taking the same shots that he kind of did before on the same amount of attempts and just draining them. And, you know, it, it like, skyrocketing by, like, 20%. And that's the kind of guy that people remember. And, I mean, you know, credit to him. Like, he's showing up in the playoffs on the biggest stage and, and doing all this stuff. And maybe that results in a breakout year. Uh, this season but uh, you know are you really going to go off of seven eight games when you have you know a couple years of uh, stuff telling you differently Um, and even part of the playoffs that's telling you differently so I think your stance kind of makes the most sense and it also does seem to be you know interesting going into next summer um, just what Van Vliet's going to be thinking what he should be um what he should be getting from the organization, depending on how this year goes mm-hmm. and, and what he can accomplish going forward and, and how those discussions are going to go. Because obviously the team's also looking at, you know, they have plentiful cap space and they want to have plentiful cap space the year after. So um, they've got to look at that and be careful with that as well. So I do think those discussions are going to be um, trickier than a lot of people think. I think a lot of people are just locking Fred into being a Raptor for quite a while longer. And, I'm kind of leaning towards your side. I'm not sure it's going to be that easy, especially if he doesn't materialize into a starter quality player. Yeah, I think the Lowry signing really sort of indicates that they really are going all in on 2021. And you can argue whether or not building your entire future around the, the possibility of free agency is a smart thing to do or not. But like the Raptors, I think, are in a different spot than, say, the Knicks, where they've actually put in sort of the work and have the sweat equity put into building themselves into a real free agent destination as opposed to just, like, assuming that, hey, we're, we're the Knicks, people are going to sign with us. Like, they have not done any assumption. They have actually done building to turn their image around and, and make themselves attractive. And so they're going to go into 2021, I think, hoping to have the books clear. And, and when you start to put all the things together and you're trying to figure out what, what kind of money they'll need to throw at a max free agent or whatever it's going to be, it just it gets really tricky with every single piece you add in. You would assume that I mean I guess this season's also big for OG. We've talked about OG already on the podcast. Like OG, you know, if he has a bad season, maybe he doesn't become part of part of the future plans, and then maybe that frees up a little money to be able to pay Fred. 
But like if you're looking at positions that are very important, like if it comes down to an either or thing, if you're thinking about your cap space in 2021 and you're trying to figure out, all right, we can afford to keep one of these guys and what they're going to want on their next contract, like OG and his sort of skill set and his size and his defense kind of to me are a little bit more hard to come by and then maybe Fred becomes expendable in that in, in that case and maybe he his future is really tied to whether OG is good or not. I'm not sure how they're sort of weighing it all and I'm not sure of the exact particulars in terms of the numbers but like once you factor in Pascal and one of those contracts and then you know maybe a Lowry sort of like long term longer term much smaller cap hit type of deal or whatever it's going to be then I think you're sort of getting into trouble with Fred because if he's asking for like 15 million a year, which he might be able to ask for, considering he's just coming off a deal where he's asking for nine, I just I don't think that is a deal the Raptors can do, and I feel I, I do worry that because of what we saw with Lowry, there's this sort of assumption that oh yeah, Fred's just the next Lowry is going to be just like Lowry. I mean, Kyle Lowry's a five-time fucking All Star, <laughs> like. It's not easy to replicate what he's done and to assume that someone else is going to do that just because he's also a similar height feels pretty, Mm -hmm. like, a little naive to me and a little bit too optimistic. And so I feel like there might be a risk of if you do pay Fred, you're probably capping yourself out if he's your starting point guard. Much like similar to, like, if DeMar DeRozan's your best player, you're capped out at a certain ceiling. If Fred VanVleet is your starting point guard, you might be capping yourself out at a certain ceiling as well. And hey, maybe that's not the case if they get Giannis and they're happy with Fred being the sort of pseudo-point guard while Giannis runs most of the show, fine. But like that's way down the road, and that's a big if that you're trying to fit into that. And I don't think you can build your entire franchise around the idea of, all right, yes, we're definitely getting this guy, because guess what? As much as it seems like it's a, a nice fit, they're probably not going to get him. And you can't go just, like, making assumptions like that. So, I don't know, man. I, again, people probably think I sound like a downer about all this. But I I just, I'm really not sure. I'm really sort of hesitant to throw a ton of money at Fred if I'm the Raptors just because of what he's shown so far. And even if he does show out this season, he might play himself out of the Raptors' price range. So that's sort of the predicament they're in. Um, like the, honestly, the the way that I think he sticks around is he plays kind of the same way he has for the last few years, and they bring him back at like a three year, eight eight per yeah. year, nine per year, similar deal to what he's on right now. But I just I think there's going to be I mean he's going to be one of the best free agents on the market next summer just by default, which speaks to the market, but also speaks <laughs> to the work he's put in. And if that's the case, like, I just, I feel like the Raptors are going to be outbid. Like, if you had to bet right now what his annual figure is going to be, let's throw term out of the window, just his annual figure, what do you think he's going to get next summer? Oof. Um, well, let's say, so if the Bulls wanted to sign him, hypothetically, um, I mean, I could see him getting solid starter money. So, like, when you threw out 15... Like, I don't think the Raptors would pay him 15. Um, but I could see another team paying him 15 pretty easily, to be honest. Like, a team that really wants to take a chance on a point guard and just has nothing there and um, just needs, like, something to uh, even, like, feasibly run the offense. I could see that. And there are those teams. Like, there are teams that the Raptors and Raptors fans have been nervous about, I think, in the past that they were going to come after Fred Van Bleet, like Phoenix and Orlando. But they just never did. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, there are teams out there now that will say, well, hey, you know, this is this is when we have cap spaces and this is, um, you know, the summer where we can get Van Bleet and 
Uh, we don't necessarily have the same timeline or plans as other teams for the summer after, so you know maybe we'll just take a chance on it. And we know that the Raptors aren't going to match, or well, not match, but aren't going to offer something up to the same point uh, as we can. So we'll just uh, we'll just do that. So yeah, something in the uh, mid-teens, I suppose. I don't I don't think he'd be back on the Raptors if that gets offered to him. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I uh, look forward to seeing how they deploy him this year because I think that will inform a lot mm-hmm. of what he does this year. And uh, it'll be fascinating. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Do you have any parting shots about Fred or thoughts on, I don't know, anything to do with the preseason? We haven't seen the preseason game yet, so I, <laughs> it's I, it, there's no, not a whole lot you, to say Are you going to wake up at 6 a.m.? I to, am uh, going to wake up. I feel like, awesome. yeah, I'm feeling it. I usually would just, like, PVR it, but I'm feeling waking up. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to wake up now. We're going to see in the morning if I actually do it. Uh, but the plan is to wake up and watch the Raptors in Japan. So I'm pretty stoked for the preseason, man. Uh, preseason Raptors, I mean, hey, Lowry's not playing, Gasol's not playing, but who cares? It's Raptors are back, man, and I'm excited. Yeah, although I, now that I'm thinking about the order, I, this stupid 6 a.m. game has really screwed up my schedule for the week. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> now people are going to hear us talking about the preseason game that we maybe got up to watch after the preseason game has happened. Maybe Fred yeah. VanVleet started the game. I may have to post this at a different weird time, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, oh, man, Fred went for, like, 40. Oh, that's crazy, right? Oh, can, man. Can you believe it? Already <laughs> asking for $16 million a year from the Raptors. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Sorry if the chronology of this is very weird if you're listening to it, but it's all still the same. The preseason first game probably didn't change much. So, uh, and uh, yeah, so don't worry about it too much. Anyway. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Josh, where can people find your work? Uh, you can find my work at Raptors Republic. I also host a podcast called The Writer's Right Pod. Sean was just on it. It was an awesome episode. Go and listen to that if you can. And you can find me on Twitter at Helvolution. Awesome. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Please go find Josh's podcast with me. It was fun. And on that podcast, we talked about my book, We the Champs. You can still buy that if you are looking to relive the glory of the title run. You can still pick it up at Indigo or Kohl's or Indigo.ca or TriumphBooks.com. Try to avoid Amazon if you can because Amazon is very evil and I hate it. But uh, other than that, please buy the book. It's great and uh, I very much appreciate it. Please also subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all the places you get your podcasts. And that will do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please now stick around for the trailer episode of Locked on Leafs with Mike DiStefano and Andrew Zuber. It's fantastic, and you're going to want to subscribe once you hear this on all your favorite podcast providers, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure you are looking for them and getting Locked on Leafs into your feeds. That's going to do it for today's show. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Josh for coming on, and we will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Stick around for Locked on Leafs. Hey there, and welcome to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, and I'm joined here by my co-host, the Zoobs. What's going on, buddy? Feeling great, man. Feeling fired up about Maple Leafs hockey. Yes, sir. Maple Leafs, uh, this is going to be a fun season. Great season. And today, we're just going to quickly go through the three keys that the Maple Leafs are going to have to have success. Obviously, in June, what do we want to be doing here in the city of Toronto? Lifting that Stanley Cup back-to-back parades. Yes, guy. That's exactly what we want to be doing. And these are the three keys that I believe and that you believe will need to happen over the next, over the course of the next few months until we get there. Key number one, what is it, Zoops? 
it's Austin Matthews health. I think we the last couple of years it has been proven time and time again that Austin Matthews has a shot like few other people on the planet. That dude gets the puck off hard, he gets the puck off fast, and he gets the puck off accurately, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. And it's no. it's sort of taken out when he gets really hot and then he gets injured and then he struggles, he has to find his footing again, and it sort of becomes this concern late in the year, and he's sort of jumbled together, and you're not quite sure. He needs to be healthy all year long, and if he does that, 50 goals seems like a lock, and I think Rocket Richard consideration, most goals in the league, is is very, very achievable. I mean, it's going to be tough to try and beat Alex Ovechkin, but with a guy who has so much offense like Austin Matthews and now playing on the line with William Nylander and you know Nylander had a bit of a tough deal last season Absolutely. but with a full off season a full preseason I think that he's going to be so much better this year and you got a guy like him who can distribute Matthews the puck they got a strong power play who's going to be able to he's going to be kind of the, the catalyst to scoring on that power play uh, I think that 50 goals is certainly achievable. It's 100% achievable if healthy, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the key. Key number two, the blue line. Yes. Completely revamped. Almost entirely, other than Riley and, I guess, Dermot eventually. It's almost entirely new roster. Yeah, Muzzin came over at the deadline, so I guess he's got half a, half a season with the team. So that's it. You're bringing in new guys. So Tyson Barry, he's going to be on a line with Jake Muzzin, and I really like the chemistry that that they show, and I think that they really complement each other well. CC going to be on on a pairing with Morgan Riley at least to start the year. Travis Dermott's going to be injured to start off, so he's not going to be able to to play for a few months. And then the third line, Rasmus Sandin, the 19-year-old Swede, making it out of uh, camp and making the team. So he's going to be on the third line pairing, and then we'll see who ends up. Being on the, the, the third pairing with him. So it's but an audition. It's a long audition. It is, but a lot of new faces, you know. Riley, CeCe, the rookie, Sandine, and then whoever else ends up on the squad. <laughs> but there's a lot of uncertainty going into the year with how this, this D-Corps is going to, to be. How important is it for them to get going and start clicking sooner rather than later? It's the biggest question mark for anybody who looks at this team. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, I am very optimistic about Tyson Berry. I think any buzz that he is a lateral move from Jake Gardner is sadly mistaken. He yeah. does things no. that few guys can do. And as long as he is partnered with Tyson Berry, I love the way their games complement each other. I think really high hopes. I didn't expect Rasmus Sandin to be this good this soon. And Mike Babcock having trust in a 19-year-old, you know something special is going on. So. Not just a 19-year-old, but a defenseman. Absolutely. Like, you look at when Babcock was back in Detroit, he let people over-ripen. Like, mm-hmm. players would just sit in the AHL till they were 22, 23, 24, even years old. And then you look at defensemen who traditionally take a little bit longer to, to develop, and he earned the trust of Babcock at a ripe age of 19 years old, and he's going to slot in on the opening night and he's going to have to prove himself to stay with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I think he could do it. He looks like a smart player. He looks like a good player. And he can certainly play serviceable third-pairing minutes. Absolutely. And to, to all those things you just said, to check all those boxes and still be getting the ice time, he must be doing something special. So yep. uh, eyes out for that. And what is the third and final key to success for the Toronto Maple Leafs season? It's, it's something we touched on a little bit, but there's more new faces. It's all the new faces. You're also looking at Alex Kerfoot, a new third-line center. You're looking at Ilya Mikhaev, who's going to be dialing in there 
to start the year with his line. Uh, Jason Spezza, Dimitro uh, Timoshov. You can go on and on. Backup goaltending. Nick Patan. Oh, Nick Patan. I think they had 12 new players check into the right. opening night lineup. As well. And that's just 12. the players. That's just the players, right? There's also assistant coaches. There's a new power play in town, new penalty kill in town. Uh, the power play is going to be vital to this season with all the different offensive tools that are up and down the lineup. Getting those into two really effective power play units uh, is going to give them an advantage if they can click. And if they can click, that's going to be a scary unit. I mean, coming over, for, uh, the assistant coach coming over, I blank it on his name. The Paul. Your, your boy, Paul. My boy. McFarland. Well, Paul McFarland, thank you. Said it like 50 times in the past like two weeks. <laughs> Paul McFarland, my boy, coming in. He's going to be coming in from Florida, the second-ranked power play last year. You give him the toys that he's got over here in Toronto, I'm excited to see what they can do and what they can cook up. It's going to be great. So there you go. That's it. That's it. It's going to be a fun year, a really fun year. Be with us. Come back every single day here on the Locked On Lease podcast. You can subscribe on all podcasting platforms. You can also find the show on Twitter at Locked On Lease. We will certainly be tweeting out throughout the games, throughout the week, any type of news, anything that goes on. We'll be chatting about it every single day right here on the Locked On Leafs. You can also follow both of us at Mickey Canuck, and you can follow the Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. But that is going to do it for this quick, quick podcast. And be sure to keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.